podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Monday the 22nd of November, brought to you by EPLindex.com, in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location and access whatever it is you're geo-blocked from. So British expats, you can access BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, Sky Go, all four, whatever you need to access while keeping your data safe. LibertyShield.com, the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star reviews. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLPOD, E-P-L-P-O-D, to get 50% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the code EPL25 on EPL Index or RED25 on Anfield Index to get 25% off at checkout. Right, folks. Ten games to get through from the weekend. But we must start. By mourning the loss, but remembering the joy of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as Manchester United manager. We'll start with that game. Manchester United went to London and got their bottoms smacked by Watford. Watford 4, Manchester United 1. A completely one-sided game that could have been 6 or 7. Ishmael Assar missed a penalty was given the opportunity to retake it, missed it again, before Josh King put Watford 1-0 up. Really good. Watford were really good. They were really front-footed. They were aggressive in midfield. They got their full-backs advanced. They played clever attacking football with good movement. And the first goal comes from a lot of those things. Full-backs getting high, good movement in and around the box. And Josh King just in a good spot at the right time to finish past David De Gea. Saar would make it two just before the break. Really nice finish. A player who could have lost all his confidence having missed two penalties and missed them badly, to be fair. But gets his goal, rifling a shot into the far corner just before half time. United came out in the second half looking a bit more energised. Donny van de Beek had been brought on for Scott McTominay, who was having himself an absolute nightmare of a game. And Anthony Martial came on for Rashford. Now, I'm not sure what the purpose of the second substitution was, because Martial was awful when he came on. 
But Donny van der Beek was very, very good for United and was involved in basically everything good that they did for about a 20-minute spell where it looked like they might actually get something from, from the game. He would score on 50, a Jadon Sancho cross, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, lurking at the back post, heads it across, and Donny taps in from close range. About the only positive involvement uh, Cristiano Ronaldo had in the entire game. Another hopeless performance. Another game where United play with 10 men and he stands about throwing his arms up in the air and sulking. Um, it did look, though, like United were going to get back into it. And Cristiano did have a, a 1v1 chance that Ben Foster made a good save from. United seemed to be building a bit of momentum. But Watford, to their credit, kept playing their football, kept being aggressive. And Harry Maguire was dragged into a, a yellow card over on the touchline, just foolishly out of position, too slow, drags the man down. And minutes later, he receives a simple ball under no pressure. Tom cleverly decides to jog towards him. And Maguire, what he was doing, I don't know, but he seemed to decide he was going to dribble past Tom Cleverly. He takes a heavy touch, cleverly nips in, and Maguire takes him down. And he doesn't even really wait for the red card. He just starts walking. He knew he was going off. It was absolute foolishness. It capped a really poor performance from Maguire, and it's a one of a number of poor performances he's turned in this season. Now, I've said from day one, they paid easily double what he was worth. He, at 40 million, I would have been a little bit hesitant to buy Harry Maguire. At 80 million, I would have laughed in the face of whoever was trying to sell him to me. To pay 80 million for him and then give him the captaincy of the club, which this isn't a leader. This isn't a leader of men. He's not the type of player who's going to inspire others. Um, and then just be stuck with him in the team week after week while he's playing so poorly, in large part because he wears an armband. We've seen that at other clubs as well. But this guy just needs to be sat out of the team for a period of time. He has been a massive liability for United for a while now. And he can put his fingers in his ears all he wants when he scores against Albania. But... His club performances just haven't been good enough. They haven't been good enough. Now, I did see some criticism of him for being pictured in a restaurant in... Now, he was pictured... And the, the caption was, Harry, uh, Harry Maguire seen clubbing in Sheffield. First of all, he was in a restaurant. Okay? He wasn't in a nightclub. He was in a restaurant. Secondly, if he had been in a nightclub, what harm is he doing to you? Leave him alone. He wasn't playing the next the next day. He had a day off. He's entitled to go out and blow off some steam. But thirdly, again, he was in a restaurant and he was out for his dad's birthday. It was a family outing for his dad's birthday. He He's allowed to have a father. He's allowed to go out for his dad's birthday. You know, this is not some great crime that the Maguire family have committed. Harry Maguire, who most likely did not want to take a picture 
was probably not in any mood to take a picture. Was probably finding the act of being out and around people enough of a chore as it was. Stopped to take a picture with somebody he believed to be a fan. And then that guy turned around and sold that picture to the Daily Mail. So there's two things here. The guy who took the picture is an arsehole and a scumbag who's profiting off someone else going through a tough time and trying to shape a narrative that isn't real about Harry Maguire. Secondly, if Maguire hadn't taken the picture, the story wouldn't be Harry Maguire out doing whatever. The story would be Harry Maguire refuses picture with fan. And he would have been called entitled and egotistical and all this kind of stuff. He couldn't win either way because the invasion in people's lives is just far too, too much. Leave the guy alone. Let him go for dinner with his family. Let him blow off some steam. If he wants to go to a nightclub, let him go to a nightclub. He's a 28-year-old man. He's allowed to be in nightclubs. He's allowed to do pretty much whatever he wants within the realms of the law. The parameters of the law, I should say. But leave the guy alone. And if you do get a player to stop and take a picture with you, don't turn around and sell it to a newspaper. Because by doing that, you're going to create an even bigger divide between players and fans. The one that exists is already huge. And when we compare it to, say, what it would have been in the 70s and 80s, it's grown out of control. It's going to get worse if players feel like they can't trust anybody. Because if they stop to take a picture, that idiot's going to sell the picture to a crappy, crappy newspaper and try and shape some narrative about him. The guy had had a bad enough day. He had a crap game. He got sent off. His team got hammered. He knew his manager was getting sacked. Leave the guy alone. Joe Pedro scored on 92. Um, and Emmanuel Dennis scored on 96 to wrap up the victory. Both of them, De Gea, should be ashamed of himself, beaten at his near post. For both goals, but Joe Pedro looked lively when he came on at a couple of good moments, and Emmanuel Dennis played really well throughout the game. the The front, the frontline players for Watford in this game, uh, Josh King, Ishmael Assar, and um, Emmanuel Dennis, all were excellent. And when Joe Pedro came on, he played really well. Uh, Chucho Hernandez came on for Sar after he got a bit of a knock. And he played well. So that's promising for Watford, is that the attackers are in form, they're linking well, they seem to have a good rapport and a good understanding. Cleverly and Sissoko absolutely outran the uh, United midfield. I thought Luza sitting in front of the defence was very, very good. And Colo got hurt, and that could be a big blow. He made a huge difference in that defence. He really did make a huge difference in that defence. Um, it's it's a big win for Watford. It's an embarrassing defeat for United. And off the back of it, Ollie has been sacked. And word is, 
that if it had ended 2-2, he would have kept his job, which tells you a lot a lot about United. I'm going to talk more about United tomorrow. I'm going to leave it there for today because we're on a bit of a, a time constriction today. So we'll move on to Leicester 0, Chelsea 3. Very, very disappointing performance from Leicester. Very flat, very unsure of themselves. Got completely outplayed. Chelsea dominated the ball, which I really did not expect. Chelsea had 62% of the possession. Were absolutely all over Leicester. Uh, Rudiger with the first goal on 14. A really good header from a set piece. Just rose above everybody. And got the perfect flick on it to send it past Casper Schmeichel. N'Golo Kante scored on 28. And this goal is everything that's wrong with Leicester at the minute. He picks the ball up just inside the Leicester half and is allowed to carry it 20 yards and not one player gets within five yards of him. Nobody gets close to him. He just runs. He doesn't do anything special. He just runs and runs and runs and runs. And the Leicester players are backing off. They're not closing him down. Nobody's trying to get in and make a challenge. Really did not understand what Leicester were doing in this moment, but it's it's not even a great shot. But Casper Schmeichel doesn't see it because Johnny Evans is blocking his line of vision. And it finds its way into the back of the net. It's a good, it's a good goal. Credit to Kante. But by God, if you, if that, if your team conceded that goal, you'd be furious. Uh, Christian Pulisic made it three on 71, coming off the bench to tap home, uh, Hakim Zayic cross. Zayic also coming off the bench. I thought Brendan Rodgers got this one wrong tactically to go three, four, three against Chelsea, who play a three, four, three and play it better than you do was a mistake. He should have started with an extra body in midfield, uh, going with the two-man midfield against Chelsea, who bring Mount back in to form the three and will outplay you that way, was a big, big error. Rodgers has a big job on. Leicester are 12th in the league. They're now eight points off the top four. And I really do feel like they're going to struggle to pick up those kind of points. Now, they have an easy enough run in that they've got Watford, Southampton, Villa, Newcastle in their next four. But with the form that they're in, with Watford having shown huge improvement at the weekend, Southampton being massively improved on earlier in the season, and then Villa and Newcastle both having new managers, you do just wonder if maybe the wheels are going to come off a little bit for Leicester. Maybe Brendan Rodgers' head has been turned by the speculation linking him to Manchester United. We'll talk about that more tomorrow, but there's something wrong at Leicester this season. Five defeats out of 12, only the four wins. Scored 16, conceded 21. Now, Rodgers has never been a good defensive manager, but to have the third worst defense in the league is is really, really concerning. Consider that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been sacked. United are only... United are, sorry, are two points better off than Leicester. They've scored five more goals. They've won one more game. And Ole's been sacked. Nuno's been sacked. Now, fair, you can say, well, you know, those are big six clubs in Leicester or Leicester. But there's a there's a top four team at Leicester. It's a top four group of players. 
that would have been top four the last two years, if not for end of season collapses. And I, I would imagine there are at least some people at Leicester looking at Brendan and thinking, can you sort this out? Are you, are you good enough to sort this out? I was worried about this happening last season off the back of the way they collapsed in 1920. But it does seem like the collapse in 2021 has stuck with them. And he needs to sort it out and sort it out quickly because they're not going to accept a bottom half finish. And if he wants that United job or he wants to stay in the frame for the City job, he needs to sort this out. He needs to turn this around. Because football is all about what have you done lately. And if his lately is struggling in the bottom half with Leicester, he's not getting the Manchester United job. Chelsea, dominant performance, dominant win. Top of the table, 30 goals scored, four conceded. Good in all phases. Bizarrely looking better without Lukaku. Kai Havertz is... I I said it in the summer, and I'm not here to toot my own horn, but I am a little bit. I said in the summer they don't need to buy a striker. Play Kai Havertz as your false nine. And they look much better with Kai Havertz as their false nine. Uh, Hudson Odoi played well in this game. Mount played well in this game. They're getting more out of Zayic. Pulisic came on and, and got his goal. I think we'll see more out of Werner as well. He's getting he's getting bits of the loftus cheek. He's getting something out of everybody in this squad right now. And that's a really scary thing for the rest of the league. Uh, Newcastle 3, Brentford 3. Jamal Lachelles with the opener on 10 minutes to get the St. James's Park crowd all excited. New era with Eddie Howe as manager. Howe not at this game, at home with COVID. But you could see his fingerprints over the team already. Now, they did start in a weird 3-4-3 that didn't really suit them. But they got on with it anyway, and they went one up through Lachelle's. But Carl Darlow had himself an absolute nightmare here. An absolute nightmare. Ivan Tony equalized a minute later, and it's a simple routine save. I don't know how it goes through, Darlow. I really don't. I don't know how that's a goal. Should be a very simple save. But credit to Tony. It's a good first touch. Gets the ball out of his feet and gets a shot away from the angle. Celebrates in front of his former club. Uh, Rico Henry arriving at the back post from a Sergi Canos cross. Makes it 2-1 on 31. But Jolington, eight minutes later, would equalise for the turn. Scrappy enough goal, but a good first touch. And then seemed surprised that the ball sat for him. And um, after a little bit of a false start, manages to rattle home a left-footed finish. Uh, Lachelle's own goal on 61 put Brentford back in front. Onyeka had just come on and his deflected shot finds its way in. It was going wide, so it is given as an own goal. With Lachelle's taking the uh, the unwanted credit for it. And it looked like Newcastle might be done and dusted because it was hard to see them scoring a third goal. But Alan St. Maximum popped up with the equaliser on 75. Really tidy finish. Credit to him. Really tidy finish from a good ball from Ryan Fraser, who'd just come on. Uh, Toon deserved their draw. Again, Brentford deserved the draw. Good game of football. Exciting. A lot of bad defending in the game, if we're being honest. But some good football played in midfield. One lovely pass from John Joe Shelby. 
Lovely pass. He won the ball back in like the defensive right half space and just hit a first time blind pass to to space right into the path of Matt Ritchie. Really, really impressive stuff. Um, credit to Newcastle. Real fighting spirit in this game. Could easily have let their heads drop when they went behind to the Henry goal and to the Lachelle's goal. But just kept going, kept going, kept going. And like I said, they were good value for their draw. If I had told you a year ago that one of the most exciting games in a Premier League weekend would be Burnley versus Crystal Palace, you would have said I was mental. But that's exactly what happened this weekend. Palace went 1-0 up through Christian Benteke. Then Ben Mee equalised for Burnley. Then Chris Wood put Burnley 2-1 up. And Gaeta's dive on the Chris Wood goal is one of the funniest things you'll see. Have a look. Go have a look at that. The dive is just brilliant. But Benteke made it uh, 2-2 on 36 minutes. Mark Wehi made it 3-2 uh, on 41. Poor Nick Pope. He'd made a couple of really good saves in this in this half, but had already been beaten twice. Then he makes another good save from uh, Joachim Anderson. Ball drops to Gwehi, and he just rattles home from eight yards out. But it had been a really, really good save from, from Nick Pope. Really good reaction uh, to, to stop the, the Anderson header. Have to feel for him. Uh, Max Cornette made it three all on 49. This kid does not score tappings. Each and every one of his Burnley goals thus far have been very, very impressive and very, very emphatic. That's four goals in six Premier League games for the club record signing. And he has been tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. And he is potentially going to play his way into another move next summer if he continues to play and score like this. His movement, his pace, his finishing, all very, very good. Already got a good understanding up front with Chris Wood, and he's given uh, Burnley a new dimension to their game. I really enjoyed this match. I I thought it was very, very strong from both teams. Loved the energy from Palace. Conor Gallagher, again, just so impressive. It was him who created the second goal for Benteke with a high press and a turnover. But he just he's a, a non-stop ball of energy. Um, I, I've, I've said before I would love to see him stay at Crystal Palace come the end of the season. I think he could stay there long-term. Well, I say long-term, this year and maybe another two years. And really push himself forward as a as an England starter potentially. He has the talent. He has the energy. Now I don't know if he'd get the chances under Southgate, but the way he's playing right now, there's very few English midfielders that can live with him. Uh just a word on Christian Benteke, his two goals against Burnley took him to eighty six Premier League goals, which puts him ahead of Fernando Torres, Luis Saha, and Eden Hazard. 
He's one goal behind Dennis Bergkamp and two behind Cristiano Ronaldo. That will be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Who will get more goals this season? Cristiano Ronaldo or Christian Benteke? Because Ronaldo has done little other than score this season. His performances have been ridiculously bad. And he is very much, you know, just a goal scorer. So far, he's got four goals in nine league games. He hasn't scored in a while, though. And Benteke this season has four and 12. It's hard to see Benteke scoring more than Cristiano across the course of the season. Cristiano will get more in all competitions because he'll score in, in Europe. But depending on what manager comes in, some managers won't put up with Cristiano. They just won't. They might have to, but they won't like it. Uh, we'll move on. We'll move on. Aston Villa 2, Brighton 0. This wasn't a good game of football to be to watch, if we're being honest. Really good first 10 minutes from Villa. Really high energy. Flew out at Brighton. But then just it all seemed to fall apart and they sat back and they seemed to lack any kind of purpose. Brighton had a lot of meaningless possession and never really did much with it. It was, it was the the typical sterile Brighton performance. And Brighton, at the minute, are not in a good run of form. Uh, they started the season, obviously, very, very well. But they have now dropped to ninth. And they haven't won. When was their last victory? It's been a while. Let's see. So you've got a defeat here, a draw against Newcastle, a draw against Liverpool, defeat to City, draw against Norwich, draw against Arsenal, draw against Palace. Their last league win was the 19th of September. They haven't won a league match in two months. They haven't won a league match in two months. Their last victory was a 2-0 win over Swansea in the EFL Cup. That was on the 22nd. That's a month today. So they haven't won any game in a month. They had that really good start. And look, they still had some decent results. The draw with, with uh, Palace was a good result. The draw with Arsenal wasn't a bad result. They should have won that game. Losing to City is not a bad result because you're just not as good as them. The draw with Liverpool was a really good result, but they'll be very disappointed in the Norwich and Newcastle draws in particular. And they just the performance here was just really flat. Really, really flat. Didn't understand the decision to start Jason Steele. There's a reason Jason Steele had never played a Premier League game before this. With respect to him, he's a, a solid Championship League One goalkeeper. Premier League is, is just a step too far. Really unsure about the decision to play Lalana up front with Trossard. Don't understand that at all. You've got Mope on the bench. You've got uh, Kel Sherpin on the bench who could have started in goal. You've got Mope on the bench who could have started up front. I don't really understand. Like Shane Duffy starting 
fair enough, he's been he was okay at the start of the season. He's been fairly poor in recent weeks. And this is a guy that you deem not good enough to stick around as a squad player last year. Pascal Grouse starting in midfield. Again, empty shirts. A lot of empty shirts for Brighton. Better players on the bench. You know, whatever about Duffy, that Duffy's fine. But you could have been starting McAllister over Grouse and Mopay over Lalana, and you'd have been better off. You'd have been a lot better off. You might have actually caused Villa some problems. Ollie Watkins scored on 84 minutes to put Villa 1-0 up. He was allowed to carry the ball from just inside the, the Brighton half with absolutely nobody attempting to make a tackle on him. Uh, Villa had pl- played out through Brighton really easily. Ashley Young had come off the bench, skipping around players in his own half before freeing Watkins, who carried and carried and carried, and just walloped the ball past. Uh, a despairing dive from Jason Steele. I'm not sure what went on with the second goal. If someone can explain to me what Jason Steele is doing for the second goal, I'd love to know. But it's a ball across, gets cut out. Steele decides to continue on and is basically lying in his own net as it drops to Tyron Mings, who can do nothing else other than direct it on goal. And because there's no goalkeeper there, in it goes. Credit to Mings, a good finish, but really bad goalkeeping. Uh, Villa have still some major issues to iron out. The Danny Ings experiment isn't working with Ollie Watkins. Now, maybe if you played them as a two rather than asking one of them to play wide on the left, as Gerard did with Watkins in this one, it might work. Emi Buendia is not working out at the minute either. So again, that's something Gerard's going to have to address. Um, they looked a better team with El Ghazi and Leon Bailey on the pitch than, than Ings and Buendia, it must be said. So Gerard has work to do. But this is a really good start. Gets the win. Ends that five-game losing streak. And I think Gerard would have been quite happy with a draw here just to end that five-game losing streak. But this is a big, big win. Get some confidence into the players. Get things turned around. Got a big job on here. You're still 15th in the league. Good thing you did win because Watford got a win and Brentford picked up a point. Um, so pressure would have been on if you hadn't gotten the win. You would have been, well, you'd have been sitting a point ahead of Burnley, um, fourth from bottom. So that wouldn't have been ideal for you at the minute, especially considering Burnley are on a decent run of form. And Norwich have now won back-to-back. And we'll do Norwich before we go to our break. A 2-1 win over Southampton. Really good victory for Norwich. Really good win for Dean Smith. Che Adams puts Southampton one up on four minutes. Really bad defended by Grant Hanley. And not the first. Grant Hanley had a really poor defensive game. Was at fault a couple of times for big Southampton chances and the goal. But Timo Pukki scored after seven minutes. Good work down the right by Rashika and Ahrens. And it's a good header by Pukki. Though I have no idea how Alex McCarthy lets that ball go by him. None at all. It's it's some of the worst goalkeeping I've ever seen. I would argue Southampton were probably the better team over the 90 minutes. But I'm delighted for Norwich. 
that they ended up pulling off the win. Hanley getting the goal on 79, he does well. But again, you've got to ask questions about the goalkeeper. You really do need to ask questions about Alex McCarthy in this one. He's just all over the place. Absolutely all over the place. Good victory for Norwich. Big victory for Norwich. Important. Takes them off the foot of the table. And Newcastle, despite their draw with Brentford, end up at the bottom of the league. But you look at Norwich now, and it shows how quick things can turn around. If Norwich were to win their next game and Leeds were to lose their next game, Norwich and Leeds would be level on points. Norwich have Wolves at home and then a big one, Newcastle away. Those are their next two games. Back-to-back victories, a little bit of confidence. And if you look at their last six games, they've gotten two draws and two wins. Now, they did get absolutely taunted by Chelsea in that run as well. But still, two draws and two wins in the last six. That's something to build off, something to be hopeful for moving forward. Uh, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will finish off the rest of these games. And I believe, I haven't seen it yet, but I believe Garth Crooks has an absolute belter for me. So we'll get stuck into that as well. So I'll see you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So uh, we've been through six games. We've got four left. So we'll go to Wolves 1, West Ham nil. Really flat, really disappointing performance from West Ham. Really disappointing. Wolves, absolutely good value for their victory. Uh, uh, Raul Jimenez goal that I thought Fabianski could have done better with, but a good strike from the edge of the box into the bottom corner. Kind of passed it in from Pedence's uh, cutback. I just I, I expected a lot more from from Wol- uh, from West Ham rather in this game. I really did think we'd see them capitalize on the momentum they brought into the international break and the confidence they would have taken from beating Liverpool. But this was just a complete damn squib. They, they'd won four in a row and then they just turn in a complete donut here. Uh, but for Wolves, it's a big, big win. And you talk about turning your season around. Wolves are sixth. Wolves are sixth in the league. They started their season losing to Leicester, losing to Spurs, losing to United, and losing to Brentford. They lost four of their first five games. And they've completely turned things around. They lost last time out to Palace, but they have been very, very good since... Turning things around. And even if you look at those defeats at the start of the season, Brentford's the only one they were outplayed in. They should have gotten at least a draw with Leicester, should have gotten at least a draw with Spurs, should have beaten United, should have beaten United comfortably, uh, did beat Watford. Uh, Brentford were the only team that outplayed them. They've beaten Southampton, they've beaten Newcastle, they've beaten Villa, they've beaten Leeds, they've beaten Everton. And yes, you can look at each of those. Southampton were not in a good place at the time. Newcastle obviously weren't in a good place and sacked the manager. 
Um, sorry, did I say they beat Leeds? They drew at Leeds. But they beat Villa, who obviously were in a bad place. Everton are in a bad place right now with a lot of injuries and, and, and issues. But you can only beat what's put in front of you. And they've proven that they're not just flat-track bullies by going and beating one of the best teams in the league in West Ham. So huge credit to Bruno Lage. Huge credit to this Wolves team, who are playing very, very well at the minute. Now, you'd still want more goals out of them. But defensively, they've held together quite well. Fourth best defensive record in the league right now, which is impressive. Ahead of Tottenham and ahead of Manchester United. There's no way you'd have said that after five games. No way you'd have said it after five games. That in seven games time, Wolves will be ahead of Manchester United. Tottenham, you might have had a, a suspicion about because Tottenham had been, you know, they won three, then they started to just get beaten by everybody. Um, but the great thing for Wolves is they're, they're winning games. They don't really settle for draws. They've got one draw this season so far. They've got the same record as, as Tottenham. Uh, six wins, one draw, and five defeats. But their defensive record has, um, has been their saving grace more or less all season. One point behind Arsenal. Arsenal fans were anointing themselves as the next big thing. And Wolves fans might want to get on board with that. It's a good team. Defensively, there's definitely issues. Like, individually. But Laj's system just seems to work. Very similar similar to how Nuno had them playing defensively. A little bit more aggressive, though. A little bit more front-footed. But the way those two in midfield are able to dictate games, and then you've got the Huang Jimenez pairing up front, the movement, and Pedence back in now as well, offers a little bit more playmaking. Trinkiao is a very good player, but he's more of a wide player. Pedence is more of a central player who can roam, and he's more comfortable picking the ball up in different positions and, and especially dropping deeper and looking for runners ahead. Trinkiao wants to get the ball up and carry the ball. Um, but yeah, this Wolves team, back to front, they look quite good at the minute. They look quite good at the minute, and credit to Bruno Lage. I think, I think he's really turned things around and done it very, very quickly. Um, we'll move forward to Liverpool four, Arsenal nil, and all I can say is I told you so. I told you this Arsenal team were fugazi. I told you it wasn't real, and at the first sign of a real team who aren't in a very bad spot, they got. Walloped and four nil flattered Arsenal. This could have been seven. Um, Salah missed a good chance. Mane missed a good chance. Jota missed a good chance. Aaron Ramsdale was really feeling himself after tipping a Trent Alexander Arnold shot that was already going over the bar, over the bar, uh, really feeling himself. All the shots had been straight at him. He'd made a mess of most of them, but he was really excited about himself. And then he made a complete hames of the first Liverpool goal. Trent Alexander, Trent, Trent Alexander Arnold, free kick on the right. That perfect danger area for Trent to just clip that ball across. Perfect ball to Sadio Mane, who finds himself unmarked because Arsenal are too busy worrying about Virgil Van Dijk. It's a good header by Mane. It's a great cross by Trent. A good header by Mane. But the keeper should save it. 
it's a fairly routine save and he tries to flick it and get it either up and over the bar or away. Makes a hames of it and then it goes. Um, so you, you enjoy, enjoy that one, Mr. Ramsdale. You of the very punchable face. Uh, second goal, Diogo Jota. Nuno Tavares, God knows what he was doing. Very, very loose with the ball. Gives it to Jota on the edge of the Arsenal penalty box. He makes Ben White look stupid. Then he makes Ramsdale look stupid. Then he taps home into an empty net. Liverpool deserved to be two up. There's no doubt they deserved to be two up. And they were just torturing Arsenal at this point. Just taking the ball off them whenever they wanted. Bullying them. Oxlade, Chamberlain, Thiago and Fabinho in midfield. Just completely dominant. Completely dominant against this Arsenal team. Smith, Rowe and Saka never got a kick. Lacazette was a non-factor. Aubameyang had one chance, but other than that was a non-factor. Thomas Partey and Lekonga got run off the pitch. They replaced Lekonga with Maitland-Niles. He got run off the pitch. It didn't matter what Arteta did. His most notable moment in the match was, well, he had two. One, having a tantrum on the sideline and then filling his trousers when Jurgen Klopp decided to shout back at him. And two, not having the gumption not having the the pragmatism to think every time we pl- try and play out from a short goal kick, they're just taking the ball off us and we're in trouble. Let's not do that anymore. I get you've got a philosophy. I get that you want your team to play a certain way. But having your team getting embarrassed at Anfield is not going to do them much good. Mo Salah made a three on 73. Good move by Liverpool. Alisson to Simicus, his header on to Jota. Him with the most powerful header I've ever seen since Sadio Mane through. Bad first touch by Mane, but sure, the goalkeeper was stuck to his line. Probably, I don't know, filling in, filling in application forms for his own fan club or something. Uh, crossed by Mane, very simple tap in for Salah. And then it became four, four minutes later. Uh, Henderson lofted the ball over the top. Mane ran onto it, brought Salah into the game. Salah fed Trent. Trent with the cross and Taki Minamino. Uh, him and Henderson had only been on the bench about 45 seconds, or only on the pitch, I should say, about 45 seconds um, before the goal. So, uh, great performance by Liverpool. Um, definitely better in midfield without Henderson, has to be said. It, their best performances have, have come without him. And if you go back and you look at the last 25 games that he doesn't start, Versus the last 25 games he did start. Liverpool have been better in the games he doesn't start. That's just a simple fact. It's just a simple fact. They are better without him. And he's been really poor this season. And they were really good without him in this game. So Jurgen Klopp has a decision to make. Because Oxlade-Chamberlain did enough to warrant keeping his place. Thiago has to keep his place. Fabinho has to keep his place. Because they're the two best midfielders Liverpool have. Uh, And... Jurgen Klopp's now got a big question to answer there. He's got one to answer at left back because Costa Simic has started and again played very well, whereas Andy Robertson has not been playing well this season. So I think Jurgen has two two areas to start thinking over. On to Sunday then, Manchester City 3, Everton 0, a fairly straightforward run-of-the-mill performance by City. Raheem Sterling made it 1-44 on with a great finish off a ludicrous Zhao Canseo pass outside of the right foot, just bent it between the defence. It's a thing of beauty. Great finish by Sterling. City had had a penalty awarded and then overturned before that. 
rightly so, the, the, the overturning was the correct decision. But Sterling's goal was no less than they deserved. They'd been by far the better team. Once again, playing without Jack Grealish and once again looking much better without Jack Grealish. Uh, Cole Palmer starting in the front three and looking like a player who fits the system. You know, he's been in and around the first team picture for a couple of years now. That's a kid with a huge future. A huge future. And when you look at Foden, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, they've got Kevin De Bruyne to come back into this. Rodri was sensational on the day. It was him who got the second goal in 55. Breaking ball, 30 yards out, and he just leathered it. Absolutely put his foot through the ball, and the ball stayed hit. It stayed. The only reason there wasn't multiple fatalities at the Etihad was the net caught the ball. That ball was heading into the crowd and doing doing damage to somebody otherwise. Brilliant, brilliant strike. Great goal, and he deserved it. He'd been absolutely outstanding, as he has been all season. And I've been saying... This City team without a striker, they're an awful lot of fun when Grealish is out of the team because all of the other five, apart from Rodri, that being Gundigan, Silva, Sterling in this case, Parmer and Foden, they can all operate in both number eight positions and anywhere across the front three. Now, Sterling's not all that comfortable when he's the one that has to drop into midfield, but he's only there for a minute or two. So as long as City have the ball, he's fine. But this carousel... That keeps moving and moving and moving with Canseo acting as a playmaker off the left and setting into midfield next to Rodri um, to form that platform when they lose the ball. This City team are, are a lot of fun, as they were last season. I saw someone say that they thought they were boring. I don't know what you're talking about. Football just isn't for you if you find them boring. Uh, Bernardo Silva, they, what they are is inevitable. They're inevitable. They will beat you. They will break you down and beat you. Uh, Bernardo Silva made it three on 86. Parma's shot was blocked and Silva picked up the, the loose ball and tapped it home, leaving Pickford with no chance. Sterling should have made it four, uh, but decided to take a touch rather than finish first time after being put through 1v1. City were really good. Chelsea were poor. Or Chelsea. Everton were poor. Uh, but no Mina, no Decore, no Calvert-Lewin. I'm not sure what more people want. At the minute, they just don't have the squad to to pick up points. Now, admittedly, there's no real excuse for four defeats and five. But at the same time, you don't have any squad depth. I mean, look at the Everton team that played in this game. Richarlison was the nine. He's not a nine. Andros Townsend was the ten. He's not a ten. Fabian Delft played in centre midfield. I know he had a good game last time out, but he's he's not a Premier League starter anymore. Gordon on the right wing is a kid. He's unproven. Damari Gray, he got injured, unfortunately. So he's going to be out for a while. On the left, he's the only one in in a position that you'd want them in there, apart from Alan. Um, and you've got Michael Keane just... No, 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 no. Michael Keane and, and Seamus Coleman are not players you want in your Premier League defence in 2021. Final game then, Tottenham 2, Leeds 1. And credit to Antonio Conte because his team turned in a stinking first half. A pathetic first half. Yet again, no shots on target in that first half for Spurs. But they came out in the second half and looked like a completely different team. They looked completely different. Completely energised. 
like someone had told them, you're playing for your futures, get things sorted. And I was really, really impressed with the second half performance. Son hit the post, Melier with a good save. No, sorry, Kane hit the post. It was a good save for Melier. Son hit the crossbar with a shot that deflected off Calvin Phillips. Heusberg got the... Sorry, I should have pointed out. Leeds went one up in the first half through Dan James. Really good work by Jack Harrison. A good cross and a tidy finish by James. Heusberg uh, made it 1-1 on 58. Did well just to get his shot away and, and beat the keeper. And then Sergio Regulon with the winner on 69. Eric Dyer stepping up to take a free kick on the edge of the box is one of the weirdest things I've seen this season. It's a bad free kick, but it clips the wall and ends up hitting the post. Bounces back and Regulon is the first to react and scores the winning goal. Uh, saw, I can't think of the journalist's name now, I can't think of who it was. Saw somebody suggest that Eric Dyer has been good this season. Uh, he wasn't particularly good in this game and most of Leeds is good good performance in the first half came from dragging him out of position, making him look bad. Um, but no, Eric Dyer has not been good this season. And you would imagine that as Conte builds this team, he will not build it with Eric Dyer as a starter. That is the 10 games then, folks. So right now the Premier League table looks like this. Chelsea top, then City, three points behind. Another point to Liverpool. Then we've got West Ham, Arsenal, Wolves in 6th, Tottenham in 7th, Manchester United 8th, Brighton ninth, and Crystal Palace rounding out the top 10. Crystal Palace with only 2 defeats this season. Only the top 3 have lost the same or less. City have lost 2, Liverpool and Chelsea have lost 1 each. And Palace's defeats, Liverpool and Chelsea. So huge credit I think goes to Patrick Vieira there. The bottom half, Everton are in 11th, Leicester 12th, Southampton 13th, Brentford 14th. Good for them to get a point and end that four-game losing streak. Uh, Villa in 15th, good win for them after five straight defeats. Watford in 16th, hit and miss. They have exactly the same record as Villa. Four wins, one draw, and seven defeats. 16 scored, 20 conceded. Uh, Leeds in 17th, two points clear of Burnley, who sit 18th. Norwich up to 19th, off the foot of the table for the first time this season. And I think, I think the first time since like, what week? Were they off the foot of the table in 1920? Norwich, 1920. Right, so the last time Norwich were in the Premier League and not bottom was week 18 of the 1920 season. They were 19th. They went into the bottom three after we in week 8 of that season and haven't come out of it since, other than obviously their year in the, in the championship in between. But 18th is the highest they've been. Since week 8, which was the 5th of October. And week 13, they won a game against Everton and went to 18th. That's the highest they've been in the league table since. Um, 
I'm just happy for them. I'm just happy for them that they got the win. I, I, I think Stuart Weber does great work. And Norwich are just a club we've always had a soft spot for. So happy for them. Uh, and Newcastle are bottom. Um, some promising things in the Brentford game. Some things that will very much concern Eddie Howe. But overall, uh, two and have to be worried. No wins through 12 games. And really not looking like much hope of many wins. Um, right, that is the game's uh, quick bit of news. Gareth Southgate has signed a New England contract to keep him in the role till December 2024, which is a bizarre time for his contract to run until. Absolutely a bizarre time for his contract to run until. Uh, so Zidane apparently... Does not is not interested in Manchester United. Uh, Pochettino allegedly is. We'll have a chat about all these things tomorrow, and see see where we land. Okay, on to the team of the week. He's put Emmy Martinez in goal. That's nonsense, absolute nonsense. He'd very little to do. Very very little to do. There's just no way you could seriously have watched the games of the weekend and decided that he's the fella you're putting in goal. You just couldn't have. I refuse to accept it. No. Hugo Lloris made a couple of big, big saves in the Tottenham-Leeds game, and I think you've got to go Hugo Lloris. Or you could go with Tim Krul. And I think Tim Krul... Tim Krul is probably more deserving in fairness, considering it's Norwich and they needed the win. So uh, that's the mistake. He's picked the back three. And because he is Garth Crooks, because he doesn't actually watch football, Antonio Rudiger and Tyron Mings are in the team uh, because they scored. Trent Alexander-Arnold Trent Alexander-Arnold is in. That's fair. Heusberg is in because he scored. Kante is in because he scored. Rodri is in. Now, Rodri deserves to be in, but I guarantee you he's in because he scored. Not really sure why Tom Cleverley is there. Sissoko and Luza, Luza in particular, were better in that Watford game. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis, yeah, I can absolutely agree with that one. Raheem Sterling, I don't think so. I really, I know he scored, but I really don't think so. Bernardo Silva should be in this team. Luza should be in this team. And I'm sorry. Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, I, I like him. I think he's a very good player. He's not in the team of the week. Conor Gallagher should be team of the week again this week. Or you could go John McGinn. You wanted to get a Villa player in. You stuck two in, neither of whom deserved to be there. If you wanted a Villa player, John McGinn or Jacob Ramsey, both in midfield, both played well. Uh, and then he's picked Sadio Mane, which is bizarre, because Salah was better. And he's used it, I believe. Now, I saw this. Somebody said this to me. He's used the inclusion of Mane to have a pop at Klopp over the argument with Arteta, which I will point out Arteta started. But it's he says, it was Klopp who was the villain here, not Arteta. This guy just doesn't watch football at all. Doesn't watch any games. Doesn't watch a single game. He outshone... He says, about Tom Cleverley, he's written, he outshone Jaden Sancho. What, is, what does that mean? 
this is an honest professional who's had a wonderful career and is playing as well as I've seen him for some time. You haven't seen him. You haven't seen him play. I cannot abide Garth Crooks. How do the BBC continue to give him money in return for his services? It's bizarre. We'll move on and wrap up with the gossip, but that team of the week is trash. Um, Paris Saint-Germain's manager, Maurizio Pochettino, is United's number one target. Uh, Eric Ten Hag is said to be on the shortlist as well. Manchester United have made contact with Leicester and prepared to pay £8 million in compensation for Brendan Rodgers. Ten Hag responded for rumours that he will replace Solskjaer by saying he had heard nothing about the club's interest. Portuguese agent George Mendes is pushing Manchester United to replace Solskjaer with Julian Lubitegui. Um, yeah, that would be an interesting one. I've, said, I've mentioned him before. I think that would be an interesting one. Luis Enrique has denied rumours linking him with Manchester United. He won't leave the national team before the World Cup. Uh, Solskjaer, who was sacked on Sunday, turned down the chance to make changes to his backroom staff despite some senior players reported losing faith in their methods. It's kind of good that he showed some loyalty, I think, to his backroom staff. I think that's to be to be admired. Uh, Real Madrid are interested in Mason Mount. Uh, Mount is in talks with Chelsea, though they said he does not feel appreciated. That's a, that's a bizarre story. Um, there's also a story going around linking them with Liverpool. Tottenham could make a move for Nicolo Zaniolo. I doubt it. He's got no knees. Um, new Villa boss Steven Gerrard wants to sign Borna Barisic from Rangers he's 29 I don't think he's Premier League quality go and get Borna Sosa similar player also Croatian younger and better Everton manager Rafa Benitez says the club will look to sign players in January as Damari Gray became the latest addition to their injury list that's a concern that he's injured as well it is a concern Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel says Antonio Rudiger will not be distracted by his contract talks. To his credit, he has continued to play well, so that's a promising sign. Um, New Barcelona boss Xavi is interested in Baghdad Bonadej uh, from El Sad. I doubt it. I really doubt it. I think you've just written that to fill some column inches. Paris Saint-Germain forward Lionel Messi is not planning on returning to Barcelona. Yeah, of course he's not. He's just gone to PSG, so why would he? Uh, that is it then, folks. That is us for today. Thank you. As always, I will see you tomorrow and we are going to be talking a lot, a lot about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, where it went wrong, why it went wrong, how it went wrong and who could fix it. That is tomorrow, basically. And a little bit of a look ahead to the Champions League, of course. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.